So this psalm does seem to be being prophetic, um, and uh, even uh, Lawrence mentioned this um, uh, in our um, team brief this morning, Psalm 126. And we've talked about it quite a lot recently. Let me read it to you, verse six, first six verses, that when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. And then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. Restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. And I suppose somewhat obviously as we prepare to return, I've, I've, I've been turning my thoughts to that. And this is why what I feel that, that God wants me to, to share with you today. You see, this, this, this psalm harks back actually to a, to a people who'd been taken captive. A people who'd been taken off to, to Babylon, a people who were enslaved. And, and I think that when you understand it from this context, it helps you more fully understand what the psalmist is saying. Because that psalm seems to have been composed as a consequence of a, of a proclamation of, of Cyrus, King Cyrus, in fact, Cyrus the Great. Um, and he gave a proclamation that the Jews could return to their own land and rebuild the city and the temple. And this was a massive thing, obviously, because this was a declaration that a people who'd been held captive, a people who had been held under slavery, a people who had not had the freedom to come and go as they choose, this people were now being set free. And, and it changed everything. If I take you to Psalm 137, where the first four verses says, by the rivers of Babylon, where we sat and wept, Reminds me of Boney M. Does anyone know Boney M? By the rivers of Babylon, where we sat down, there we wept, when we remember Zion. There's some young people like going. It's cool, guys. It's cool. That was a song once. And it harks back to this psalm, which is, Amazing, and verse 2, it says, There on the poplars we hung our harps. For there our captors asked us for songs. Our tormentors demanded songs of joy. They said, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. 
How can we sing the songs of the Lord while in a foreign land? And so when you understand that this was the heart, this was the mentality of the people, we're enslaved. How can we sing? You, they, trust me, they did not. These Babylonians, they did not have a good motive. There, there was, there was, this sarcastic tone was absolutely real. They were saying, hey guys, you know, basically, you, 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 you're slaves, right? Come on, sing us one of your joyful songs of Zion. Let's hear that. There was hints of sarcasm in there. And, but these guys, they hung up their harps and they made a decision to stop singing. They were deeply impacted by their environment. And then this proclamation came out. Guys, after everything, I am declaring freedom over you. After being captive for so long, you are going to know freedom. No wonder they said we were like men who dream. It's like they were walking around saying, can you believe it? What just like that? Can you believe it? After all this time, after all these years, could this really be happening? The atmosphere had changed. The mood had changed. And he said that our mouths were filled with laughter and our tongues with songs of joy. The people who had stopped laughing, the people who had decided to stop singing and hung up their harps, these were the people who were now starting to sing again because of what God was doing. Hope was on the horizon. They were not returning the way they had left because it is interesting and we haven't got time to go into that, but the people who had gone into Babylon were not people who were enthused with God. They were, not, they were people who were going through the motions. They were people who, who, who knew God, but they weren't really following God. But, but it, during these years of captivity, something had been awakened in them. A hunger and a thirst for the things of God had been awakened in them. And, and, and I, I do believe that, that we, we, you see, we, I think we think too often and too easily that the circumstances influence and affect us. And I want to say, I believe the way God has wired us is that we influence the circumstances. It's what's in me, it's what's in you that changes the environment. God, God has put something in us. We're waiting for the environment to change, but I believe that God is waiting for us to change. And when we change, our environment will change. But the things that had stopped them singing no longer had power over them. Song of Songs, verse 2, 11 to 12 says, See, the winter is past. The rains are over and gone. 
flowers appear on the earth and the season of singing has come. Now, I want to say that these people who were singing and their mouths were filled with laughter, they were yet to embrace the reality of their freedom. They had not stepped into it. So they were not just singing because of what had happened. They were singing because of the possibility of what could happen. They, they, they were leaning into where they were going. They were leaning into the possibilities of the future. And I believe that God wants us to understand that He has taken us. No, He has taken us into a new season. And the season of singing has come. It's not just that we now sing songs, but we sing with a spirit that triumphs over our circumstances. We understand that we are not limited. We are not overwhelmed by our environment. That's why I can go back to that that room on that street knowing that it's too small for us. But you know what? We will go in there and we will take light and love and hope into those walls into those walls, and people will find Jesus in there, and people will be touched by God in there, and we await our yet our appointed time, our appointed destination, but in the meantime, because of what is in us, we make the best of what we have got. We, we, we carry the presence of God into that environment. And I want to say that I, I believe that the, the singing and the laughter, sure, that, that was, it was an outward manifestation of an internal change that had taken place in their hearts because they understood that things just were not the same as they were before. And I want, I, I, I want us to encourage one another with these things. I want us to speak hope and, and life to one another with these things. I want us to encourage each other uh, to, 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 see, to, to know that we're going to see God do some great things in this next season. I don't know why this phrase is so important, but I know that the Lord wants me to say it. Over these people, the great sadness was lifting. And I want to declare over us, I don't know who it is for, but I know that I've got to say it. The great sadness is lifting. God has done something. God is lifting sadness off your life. I want to say that I believe the Spirit of God wants me to declare that as much as we would celebrate someone being healed, whether it be a migraine or whether it be an eye condition or whether it be a knee or a, a chest condition. We would celebrate that and that is wonderful. But I believe the Spirit of God wants us to understand that when He lifts sadness of somebody's life, that is just as powerful a miracle. And I believe that there are people here today that, of whom this is true, that God is lifting sadness off your life. The clouds of sadness that gather to dampen your enthusiasm and steal your joy, 
God is lifting sadness off your life. He is lifting sadness off this community. He is lifting disappointment off this community. He is infusing this community with hope and faith and belief that the best is truly yet to come. It's time for you to find yourself singing and not find yourself sad. It's time to pick up your harp again. There are some people who have hung up their harps. But God wants you to know that it's time to get your harp. It's time to dream again. Turn to someone near you and say, fetch your harp. It's time to dream again. It's time to to hope again. It's time to believe again. God Almighty is a fulfiller of his promises. God Almighty is a fulfiller of his word. There is nothing too hard for the Lord. He is great and he is able. And whilst our circumstances may converge to convince us that our God is small, that our God is impotent, that our God is inadequate, the devil is a liar. We fetch our harp and we sing again and we laugh again and we believe again and we dream again. It takes courage to believe again. It takes courage to dream again. It takes courage to stare into the eyes of your disappointment and say, you will not hold me back. You will not restrict me. You will not keep me living safe and small. You will not hold me back and you will not hold me down. I look into the eyes of my frustration and my disappointment and say, I don't belong to you. I belong to God. And my God is greater than my present circumstances. My God is is greater than the frustration of my own heart. I don't know about you, but sometimes I just get frustrated with me. I might get frustrated with you from time to time, but mostly I get frustrated with me. And I say, oh God, how long? How long am I going to have to suffer these things, these thoughts, these ways of dealing with things? And God is trying to get our attention and say, you need to stand up. You need to realize, again, the greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. He needs, he wants us to understand that it is not his plan for his, us to stay disappointment. But what, disappointed, but when do you, what do you do when the devil comes and throws your experience in your face and say, yeah, you believe in God. Well, look at this and look at that. And you can't even deny it because there it is. There it is. But God wants us to understand tonight that how can you stay disappointed when you understand that you're appointed? God has appointed you. God has appointed you. And your disappointment cannot remove you from your appointment. There is great things awaiting you. But you need to change your, your attention. You need to change your gaze. I need to remind myself and you need to remind yourself. We are appointed and we are called. There's nothing wrong with tears. The psalmist says those who sow in tears 
Those who sow in tears. Those who sow in tears. Because you see, the thing is, when I sow, it means I'm thinking about the future. These tears, these tears, these are tears of determination. These are tears that say I'm not giving up. I will not let go. I will not be held back. These tears say I'm sacrificing the bread I could have today for the harvest I can have tomorrow. Because the truth is, when I'm looking at all the things that could go wrong, when I'm looking at all the things that are wrong, there is a tendency to say, you know what, stuff it. I'll just take my seed and I'll make bread. And we'll just have a party and tomorrow we die. What does it matter? But God is looking for someone who's going to say, you know what? Yes, devil, I see what you've shown me. And yes, devil, I, I know you've held up a mirror and you've shown me who I am, but I want you to understand that I know who I am, not only by what you show me, but who I am in Jesus. You might show me a mirror, but I look to the cross. I look to the cross of Jesus Christ. I look to a Savior who bled and died. I look to a Savior who set me free and said, I am a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. I look to a Savior that would say that as far as the east is from the west, so far have I removed your transgressions from you. I looked at a Savior where I went out of the cross when I was nothing, and he said, arise and shine, for your light has come. And I have put the spirit of the overcomer in you. I have put the spirit of a conqueror in you. Nay, more than a conqueror. Arise and become who you were born to be. These tears, these tears say that I'm letting go of this so I can have that. I'm letting go of some stuff so I can have that. These tears say that I'm daring to hope again. The Lord has done great things for us. The Lord has done great things for us. We have survived the season of our captivity, but God has lifted the great sadness off us. I don't know. But I just think there's something significant that the Lord has led us to messages, me particularly, admittedly, to do with dancing and singing. Yeah. I, I, I just think that there's something about joy and freedom and laughter and singing and dancing that God wants us to understand that there is, there is a joy that our city needs. There is a joy that our nation needs and people are pursuing joy and they are seeking joy but we have truly the joy of the Lord I'm not talking about people who just say I've got the joy of the Lord I'm I'm looking for people who you don't have to tell me you've got the joy of the Lord because I can see the joy of the Lord written all over you I want to say to us, 
The Lord has done great things for us. He's brought us here to give us a glimpse of the possibilities of the future, to give us the glimpse of what could be. I thank God. I thank God for every church in this city and what they are bringing. God bless them. God strengthen them. God prosper them. God increase them in number. But there is a job that we must do. There is something that we must bring. And may God help us to bring what we must bring to this city and beyond. I've come to tell you tonight that this is not the case. Where in the fairy tale, midnight strikes, the coach becomes a pumpkin, the riches become rags, and we just go back to being as we were before. I just can't get this ridiculous concept out of my mind, but I'm just gonna ask you to work with me a moment. You see, the thing I love about Cinderella is that whilst she was nothing more than a scullery maid in the eyes of people, that's what they'd made her, she had the audacity to believe she was more. And she had the audacity to believe that she had a right to be at the ball. I wanna say that God is looking for some audacious people who will look beyond their circumstances and say, you know what? I believe that I can be invited. I believe that this includes me. I don't know whether you've ever wondered about the fact that what indeed midnight did strike and everything went back to being what it was before, except the shoe. The shoe didn't change. It spoke of the future. I want to say we're all taking something back from this experience that will not change and will speak to the future. See, I, I had this thought. You see, the shoe should have fitted perfectly, but it didn't. If it had, she wouldn't have lost it. If the shoe had fitted perfectly, she wouldn't have lost it. I want to say that there are some things for you, there are some things for us that didn't fit, but they're going to fit now. They're going to fit now. You've lost some things along the way, and you can't understand it because it was given to you. You didn't ask for it. It was a blessing, but you've lost it along the way. It wasn't the time to wear it, but God wants you to understand. Get ready, because that which you've lost is coming back to you. And though it didn't fit before, it's going to fit perfectly now. There are some things that didn't fit that are going to fit now. You know what? The devil's been lying to some people in this community. And I mean that literally saying you don't fit. You don't fit in. I want to say the devil is a lie. Turn to someone near and say you fit. You fit. And then, of course, we realized that the shoe came back to her and it fit perfectly. Yeah. 
it fitted perfectly. It was not only about the future, it was about her true identity. And it unlocked the future. I want to say that God is doing some things right now that is just going to fit. It's just going to fit. We, we, we've worn it before, but we lost it. But now it's going to fit. And it's going to unlock our future. And it's going to reveal our true identity. We are returning with songs of joy. Carrying sheaves. Carrying sheaves. Carrying sheaves. Carrying sheaves. You know what sheaves mean? Sheaves are, are, sheaves are covered in seed. Well, I, we're, we're going back with sheaves. The sheaves mean I've got bread for today and seed for tomorrow. We, we have got enough. I've got, God's got enough to feed us now, but He's got enough to make us plant for the future. Future harvest. We haven't even begun to see that. It's like God is saying, huh, you think this is good? You think this is great? Dry your eyes. You ain't seen nothing yet. You thought you were crying. You thought you were giving up something amazing. I want you to know I'm doing something great, so amazing in your life. You, are, you won't have time to cry. Your mouth will be filled with laughter. Your tongue with songs of joy. Because I am doing something wonderful for you, for your life. I'm telling you right now, God is restoring joy to somebody's marriage. God is restoring joy. God is restoring laughter to somebody's marriage right now. In the name of Jesus, the devil has pointed out all the faults and the devil has pointed out all the problems. But God is going to cause laughter to return to your marriage and joy in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, take courage. Take courage. Take courage. With all this talk of joy and with all this talk of laughter and with all this talk of harvest, you can forget that we need courage. We need courage. We need courage to stand tall. We need, to count. We need courage to, to walk into places where we've sown before and it didn't work and so again. We, we need courage to walk into places we've walked before and it didn't work, but we're going to believe again. We're going we're gonna to need courage to prophesy where we prophesied before and it didn't work, but we're going to see those dry bones rise up and become a mighty army. Oh, God is doing a new thing. My mouth is filled with laughter and my tongue with songs of joy. Oh, the Lord has done great things for us. The Lord has done great things for us. Wherefore we are glad. Oh, wherefore we are glad. He's given us our song back. He's given us our dance back. He's given us our joy back. He's given us our laughter back. Oh, 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 hallelujah, hallelujah. He's doing a new thing. He's doing a new thing. The sadness, the sadness is gone. Oh, the sadness, the sadness is gone. Oh, the sadness, the sadness, the sadness is lifted. Oh, take it off, take it off. It's not yours. It doesn't belong to you. Take off the sadness. Take off the sadness. Take off the sadness. Take off the sadness. Take it off, take it off, take it off, take it off. I'm not wearing it anymore. 
seats for a moment because God is sent me to tell you that Cinderella was pursued by Prince Charming but you're being pursued by the Prince of Peace And he's been pursuing you in the dark places where you have found yourself. In the despair that you have found yourself. And he's never stopped loving you. And he's never stopped caring for you. And he's never stopped believing in you because he saw you even while you were being formed in your mother's womb. And this Jesus I speak of this Jesus died for you, not just to get you to church, not to give you religion, but to give you a life, to help you live the most amazing life that you've not even imagined yet. If we could just bow our heads and close our eyes. I'm speaking to you tonight if, one, you don't know Jesus, maybe you're not even used to going to church and you didn't even know church could be like this. But at the end of the day, it's not about that. It's about a relationship with a God who loves you, a God who sent his son to die so that you could be set free from everything that makes you ashamed everything that seeks to make you live your life small, everything that stops you becoming the person you were born to be. Maybe at one time you have once found yourself in a situation where you've said yes to Jesus, but the truth is right now you know you're far, far away. You're far, far away from Him and you know you need to come back home. You need the courage to come back home and say, Jesus, I give my life to you again. In this atmosphere right now, in this atmosphere, the presence of God is here. In just one moment, I'm gonna make or give you the opportunity to make a decision. It's a very simple and yet profound one. In one moment, I'm going to ask you if you say, I, yes, I, I don't get it all, Malcolm. I don't get everything you've said. I, I don't get everything you're saying, but there's something in me that says, wow, I want this. There's something in me that says, I don't even know, but I need it. 
If that's you, if that's your heart, in one moment, I'm going to ask you to indicate your decision by slipping up your hand nice and high so I can see it and acknowledge it. That's all that's going to be asked of you. Someone will put a card in your hand. You can put your hand down. But I know there are people in this house tonight who need to come to Jesus. I know that there are people in this house tonight who need to come back to Jesus. And if that's you, then right now, I'm going to ask you to slip up your hand right now. Just right now where you are, someone will see it and they will put a card in your hand. Right now, just slip up your hand. Just slip up your hand. Thank you, Jesus. Hands going up, hands going up. Just slip up your hand. Someone will put a card in your hand. And then you can put your hand down again. Just give it a few moments. These are big, life-changing decisions. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. someone else, there's someone else who's struggling right now because you want to put your hand up, but you're afraid you can't keep it up. You're, you can't keep up the lifestyle. You're afraid you're going to fail like you failed at everything. I want to say to you what someone said to me the night I gave my life to Jesus, that just give your life to Him and He'll help you with the rest. Here I am to testify. I did that and here I am today. If that's your heart, if, you, if you're worried that you're not going to be able to to do what Christians do, don't worry. Just slip up your hand and say, Jesus, I'm giving it over to you. I'm gonna let you help me. I'm gonna let you help me become the person that you want me to be. Hands going up, that's awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Thank you, thank you, thank you. As soon as you've got a, a card in your hand, you can slip your hand right down. We thank God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We're gonna pray right now. We're gonna pray right now. Eight people have responded. For those of you holding onto a card, I want you to pray along with me like there's nobody else in the room, but we're gonna pray with you because we wanna support you in this powerful moment. Come on, church. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for dying for me on the cross. I'm sorry for all the wrong things I've done. And I turn away from those things and I give my life to you. I thank you that you have the power to make it brand new. And right now, I know I have hope because if you are with me, who can be against me? Can we give the Lord a clap offering for a people saying yes?